Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week we continue in our series on what it means to be the church. Our family pastor, J.C. Thompson, is back with a message on how we can contribute to our community by using our God-given gifts. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. give you some encouragement today. Please keep singing out loud. Sometimes I get to sit over there and hear you guys, and it makes you want to come out and teach God's Word with passion. And not that we, not that we need the extra motivation, but we will take it every time as a pastor who gets up here to teach, let me just tell you. So thank you. I am seeing growth in your ability to sing out loud, so I appreciate that because I get a little extra pep in my step. It feels good. Uh, my name is J.C. Thompson. I'm the family pastor here, and we've been in a series called As We Go, which is talking about what does it mean to be the church, and we're in week three of that series, and I just got to tell you, just real quick, a little bit of my story. I grew up in the church as a kid, and I loved the church. There is not a single organization in the entire world that looks at a young person and says, we believe in you. We believe that God made you with a purpose. We believe that it's special and unique, and how can we help you understand it, fulfill it, live in it, and develop it, and share it with the world? There is no school, there is no business that does that. There is no organization in the world that looks at people outside of their doors that offer them nothing and says, what should we be doing to help these people? The church is that group. It is that organization. And when you came in here today, you didn't come to a building. You came to a gathering of people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God who came to hear a message from God and take it to the rest of the world. Because over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus ascended from this planet, he left it with ordinary men. And he said, you got this. In fact, it's better that I leave because I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure they were like, what do you you mean it's better? What, What does that mean? And then the Holy Spirit flooded the earth and it flooded people. And over 2,000 years ago, a movement started. And that movement has transcended language barriers. It has transcended economic barriers. It has traveled across vast oceans and across continents. And we are in a gathering today that started with a little over 11 men indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And if it doesn't get you excited to show up on a Sunday morning when it's rainy and cold to remember that this started with a bunch of scraggly men who were fishermen and collectors and tradesmen, it should. It should make you feel real good to be in this place today because it makes me feel real good. Today, we're, we're gonna continue to talk about what it means to be the church. Now, I wanna let those of you who are not believers in Christ off the hook today because we're gonna talk about being the family of God and the contributions that we're gonna make. But being in this building does not mean you are a part of the church. 
You're just here, and we're glad you're here, and we're thankful you're here. We're gonna love on you just like you're a member of us, but I want to tell you real quickly that you're not a part of the church if you're not a follower of Christ. And so you're an observer today. You get to watch and see as we cringe in what our responsibilities are as a member of the body of Christ. But ultimately, if you are a follower of Christ, you're about to hear what it means to be a part of this family and also what you should be bringing to the table. Because we're not just a group that benefits each other. We're also a group that brings what we have to the family. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited to talk about this. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. You can go ahead and turn there. Josh in weeks one and two talked about both our mission as the church, that our mission is to make disciples and to teach them all that Jesus Christ has taught them, taught them to obey it, all that he's commanded them to do, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission That's what we're trying to accomplish as the church. And then last week he talked about community and he made us all a little uncomfortable because he made us talk to people that we just sit next to. And then we had to do communion and I heard from several people going like, we just were like, hey, let's, okay, just now, now? Okay, let's eat it. (laughs) And it was wonderful. And it felt a little bit about, this is what it's supposed to be like with us practicing together. Today, I want to talk about what you, as an individual member of the family of God, what you're required to contribute. Being the church requires contributing your perspective. So check this out. Romans 12. You got time to get there. You can turn there. It's good. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I wanna draw attention to one phrase in this passage, and it's this. I plead with you to give your bodies. I plead with you to give your bodies. Now, it's interesting to me for two reasons. One, he doesn't say give your body. Now, you don't have multiple bodies. He's talking to a group of people, which means he's assuming that every person in that room is going to take the step that he's asking them to take. All of us are responsible for giving our bodies to God. And that word body doesn't just mean our flesh and bones. It means every part of us, our emotions, our will, our desires, our choices, our income, our talents, everything about us is what we are required to give to God. And we're doing it together. It's wonderful when you think about it. Because God is asking you for you. He wants your stuff. Now, when I say perspective, I'm not just talking about an opinion here. I mean your story. And everybody has one. But God is changing us. He's transforming us. He's making us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing about sharing your story. You have to be close enough to someone so that they can see that you're changing right in front of them. You can't just change and not have anyone see or notice. 
But here's the thing, and it's something that we saw in communion. These, these people that I'm sitting next to, do they really even know who I am? I mean, I sit next to them. Do I know their name? Like, and sometimes we treat our story like that. You know, we hadn't seen somebody in five or six years, and so we show up, and they're like, do you know I'm a new person? But it's hard to live life in front of people all the time, and yet that's what we're required to do as a body. Who are you so close to that they know They know that you're changing. Who are you so close to that sees you on a regular basis and they know that you're different? We've got to take that step to put our story, our person, our perspective in front of people. Romans 6 puts it this way. It says this. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Another translation puts it this way, an instrument of righteousness. Are you an instrument of righteousness in the hands of God? Are you? Is he free to use you in the way that he sees fit? Are you around enough people where they know what God's doing in you and around you? I challenge you that you've got to share your story with people because it's not just a benefit for you to share your story. It's also a benefit for us to hear your story. When God's changing you, and we see that, and you share that, and we see the transformation that's in your life, guess what happens to us? We get excited. Our faith in God is renewed and built up and developed, and then we want to live our story in front of people. We've got to do that. We've got to share our story, and that means all of it. You need to share your story with your kids. But JC, if they knew who I was they knew who you were and who you are now, they might just praise God. They might worship him for how he's changed you and how, how in the world did that ever happen to you? We have to share our story with others. Why? Because it's a way for all of us to worship God together. Listen, around here, we pray for healing We pray for relationships to be restored. We pray for people to get opportunities where they have gotten no opportunities before. We pray for circumstances to be changed. And if you just hold that to yourself when a prayer is answered, the body of Christ is suffering because we need to be built up. We need to remember that God answers our prayers. It causes us to pray with more devotion, with more commitment, with more fervor. So we need to hear when God's answering your prayers. We need to hear when God's changing you in front of other people. What story is God writing about you? And who are you sharing that story with? Who are you sharing that story with? Not only are we required to contribute our perspective, we're also required to contribute our particular spiritual gift. Now, here's the deal. We could spend several weeks talking about spiritual gifts because there's a lot to talk about in Scripture. But we don't have forever, and we don't have several weeks. I have a little bit less than 35 minutes, okay? So I'm going to try and cover this with a 10,000-foot view. That's what we've got to do, okay? So I want to start this, however, with a picture. Anybody remember group projects from school? 
Raise your hand if you remember group projects. Who loved group projects? Keep your hand up. Yes, you probably did most of the work. <laughs> Who couldn't stand group projects? Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? I wanted to show this illustration, this group project. Uh, Every group project is like the last battle in Justice League, okay? And so we've got an assortment of heroes all playing their individual part. Superman's doing the majority of the work, right? But Batman thinks that he is. And that's how I really feel. Superman's a way better hero. Sorry, Josh Masters. But ultimately, it feels like that. I remember in school getting so frustrated when group projects would come about. Because I knew I'd be doing some work. And there were probably gonna be people in my group that didn't. It wasn't until way later that I figured out the teacher grouped us on purpose. I needed to know what it was like to work with people different than me. The work wasn't really the work for me in my group project. The work was working alongside other people. And then as I got older and I got to college and they assigned group projects, loved it because I could do my part. I didn't have to do everything. I could just do mine. And it was fun and enjoyable. The church is just a giant group project. We all have our special gifts and talents. Some people aren't bringing theirs to the table. And it's frustrating and it's hard. And everyone suffers as a result. And at the same time, we don't have a fallible teacher handing out gifts. We have God handing out gifts and he knows your story better than you do. He knows your experience better than you do. He knows your passions better than you do. And he knows what this church needs. And it's you to be you in front of other people. And so let me just tell you something real quick. I'm getting a little fired up about this, okay? What an opportunity you have and I have to develop as a person in our areas of gift. And I'll just tell you, People have had to listen to a lot of bad sermons by me in order for me to get better. A lot of them. And y'all are going, well, JC, no, it's true, it's true. Most of those people were children. (laughs) And they're very encouraging. (laughs) But my mentor says it this way. He says, somebody's gotta let you sorry all over a bunch of people before you get good. And it's true. And don't forget that Your gift that you've been given is not just about you. It's about the church. And that's what our theme verse is today. Our theme verse is about that. It just says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says this, a spiritual gift is given for what? It's given to each of us so we can help each other. What God gave you as a gift is not for you. It's for us. It's for the church. And if God meant for you to be a listening ear and you're not listening, everybody's suffering. Everybody. We need what God gave you to give. The gift that you have is not for you. It's for us. It's for this church. And I want to say this too. I I don't think it just applies to spiritual gifts. I think the, the uniqueness, the diversity that God has put in this room is more than just spiritual gift diversity. It's economic, it's ethnic, it's place of origin, it's age, it's life experience. You bring all of that to the table. And I believe that when we get to heaven, it's going to be wonderful to celebrate how different everybody is. You know why? Because differences aren't really what make us different. Differences are what make us wonderful. 
It's an opportunity for us to understand something about God that we can't understand if we just think people are like us. And we should praise God for that. It should make us uncomfortable because guess what? I'm around a bunch of extroverts. They love hanging out with me. I'm like, I need some alone time. It's wonderful. And it's challenging. So what gift has God given to you? Check this out in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse four. Check this out. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other, which means you belong to me and I belong to you. And it means if somebody's hurting, it affects everybody. And it's all of our responsibility to help that part. All of our responsibility. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. It does not say doing everything well. Because then we don't need anybody else. But we can do certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. Now here's the thing, this is what I love about this. Because when the church is operating the way that it should, which means you bring your gift to the family, Look what the family is accomplishing. Look what the family's accomplishing here. When we do our certain things well, here's what everybody gets to experience. Check this out. We get to experience the ability to prophesy. We start sharing what God is teaching us and we start sharing that with others. We start seeing people serve other people. We start seeing good teaching, teaching that is affecting us and making us make change in our lives. We start being a place of encouragement where people are built up, they're developed, they're changed. People give generously. It's an opportunity to affect our community. If God's given us leadership ability, then we take that responsibility seriously and we make hard challenges challenging decisions, and we plan and forecast. If you have a gift for showing kindness, we begin to be a place of kind leadership where we love one another. And we're nice, not just loving. See, the church is operating at highest capacity when everyone is bringing their gift to the table. And it looks beautiful when everyone's doing their part. So are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? And one more thing about spiritual gifts, because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, The early church, when Paul's writing this, they didn't have papers to pass around. They didn't have spiritual gift inventories. And like, everybody pick what you think is yours. So how did they discover their spiritual gift? Come on, how'd they discover it? Trial and error, thank you. Thank you, that's it. They did life together. And you know what? Here's a simple example of what this looks like. Maybe you think God has created you to make goodies for everyone, food goodies. And then you try and you experiment and you follow the recipe and then you give them. At your small group, you just pass out these goodies you've made and your small group looks at you like, we're supposed to be kind, but this is horrible. (laughs) This is just bad. Do you have water or juice to accompany this meal you've provided? 
That's how they tried. That, they had to experiment. They tried. And then you know what happened? People would go, you know what? Maybe next time you can take prayer requests. I'll cook the food. But you know what happened? When they discovered what God had gifted them with, they used that gift. They used it. And the church benefited from it. And if you want to make goodies, make goodies, please. But be okay if somebody says, maybe that's not your gift. But God has a wonderful gift for you. Wonderful gift. The other thing I love about spiritual gifts is this. There's not a single spiritual gift, no matter which list you look at, that can be practiced in isolation. You have to have somebody else to practice your gift with. You have to have someone to encourage if your gift is encouragement. You have to have something or someone to give to if your gift is giving. If you're a teacher, guess what? If you don't have anybody to teach, you're just learning. You're not teaching. You have to have someone that you can practice your gifts with. And that's why we're here. We need encouragement. We need kindness. We need somebody to teach. We need somebody to serve. But you can't do it in isolation. You gotta step out and be with people. Being the church also requires us to contribute our positive attitude. Now, this is not some pseudo-therapy thing, okay? You don't have to pretend like everything is good, although it will work out for good if you're a follower of Christ. But check out what Romans says about contributing a positive attitude. Don't just pretend to love others. I'm gonna pause right there because we have all been pretended to be loved by someone before. Someone has pretended to love us before and we know what that feels like. But Christ is not calling us to pretend we're loving them. He's saying, no, really love them. That's what Paul is saying here. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Now, let me just tell you, you fill a room with enough people that have that attitude, the world begins to change. When you start to understand that what God is doing is more important than what's going on in you individually and what is going on in you individually is about helping everyone in the church, it starts to change mission. It starts to change focus. It starts to change schedules and paychecks. It's about love. 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, which by the way, can we all say, that's weird, what does that mean? I don't know. But didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I'm not talking about the cymbals that are being banged up here. Those sound wonderful. I'm talking about when someone says that they love you, but they don't and they try and do these things that don't even make sense to you, it's annoying. We wonder why people don't love the church. We wonder why people don't see Jesus Christ as he truly is. And it's because we don't love people all the time. We treat them as projects. And when you treat people as projects waiting to be fixed, that's not real love. It's just annoying. 
And the only way to truly love someone is to truly know them. And so that's where it starts. If we don't have love, our service, our gifts, our contributions, they're in vain. We must start with love. We must have a heart for those that God has called us to love. And Josh is going to be talking about our heart next week, and I encourage you to be there. Our motive must be love. Am I loving this other person that God has called me to love? Lastly, we contribute our personal finances. Gotcha. <laughs> Josh said he was going to tell you. Well, here it is. Uh, so I, I know this can be difficult for some people to hear for whatever reason, past wounds, you know, difficulty. Some, sometimes it's just sin, a grasp that you have on your stuff. And I, my job's not to tell you what that is. You'll have to wrestle with God about that. My job's to teach God's word. And this is in it. And it's in it a lot. Jesus talked about it a lot. Paul talked about it a lot. We're supposed to give ourselves. He told one guy to give everything, and that guy left sad. You know, one of the things I love about this, and this doesn't get taught very much, but I love it, when the widow gave her two mites, he praised her gift. You know what he didn't do? Give it back to her. He didn't give that back. He kept it as a part of the offering. But JC, that was all she had. No, it wasn't. That may have been all the money she had. That is not all that she had. She saw something more valuable than all the money to her name. And that was Christ right in front of her. And he praised the step of obedience and commitment that she took. So again, this is just like spiritual gifts, okay? I don't have several weeks to talk about giving, although I would love to do that. I think it's wonderful. I have benefited from people giving stuff, like all of us in this room, so we should love talking about giving, okay? And God has given us a lot in South Carolina in America. We got a whole lot of good stuff, praise God, okay? So we love that, but he's called us to give. So I wanna challenge you, Romans chapter 12, check this out. When God's people... I'm sorry, I went too fast. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality, which means you should be preparing to help people. You should be preparing. I I just wanna give you three insights on giving today real quick, okay? Real quick insights. Number one, I think that your giving should be regular. Check this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul says it this way. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, You should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia, which meant Paul has already communicated this procedure to another church. So this is not the only church he's telling this to. Everybody got that? It is not unique to the church at Corinth. It's for both. And I think it's for all of us. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Why? Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Paul's saying, I'm not surprising you. You know when I'm coming. Be ready to give to God's work when I show up. Don't try and scramble at the last minute. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. Paul here is sharing this idea that our giving should be a regular thing. Regular. 
Regular means continual. It means normal. It means keep on keeping on. That's what regular means. Now, I, I wanna put this in perspective. Because of the regular giving, we get to do things here at Brookwood that we would not be able to do if it weren't for regular giving. So I'm gonna give you an example. Just imagine Simpsonville, South Carolina without Perry Duggar, David Hardy, Brantley Smith, Mark Taylor, Gene Beckner, Mike Heppola, Josh Masters, all of our children's staff, all of our students' staff. What would we be like as a church with all the staff people with, with, if they're gone? We would still operate. You're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We would still operate, but it would be different. Those gifts would not be here. What about the children in India? What about Adventure Week? What about One Camp? What about the counseling that is offered at Brookwood Church for no cost? What about the people who are being trained to be counselors? What about all of the missions organizations in this community that we partner with because we can give that money? We can do that because people give regularly. If you give $15 a week every week of the year, you'll end up with $780 at the end of the year. That puts two students into one camp, $15 a week. If you contributed $10 a week, you could put one student in one camp and you could put several kids into Adventure Week. $10 a week. That $10 matters. Because you know what we saw at one camp in Adventure Week last year? Hearts of kids and students change forever. So yeah, that $10 is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Your giving should also be responsible. In, in this insert, you know, because what happens when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you is your flesh starts speaking back and you're like, I can't do all that. So we just gave you a nice little brochure that tells you how to do all these things, okay? How to give on a regular basis. On the back side is how we do our external audit, okay? I can't answer all the questions about that, although I see the auditors and I see the papers and we get asked all the questions. I mean, that's how an auditing process works, but it's an external organization. We do it to make sure that we are above board when it comes to handling our money. Can I, can I just share something with you real quick? When I've been here for a little over 10 years. I have not been a part of the uh, pastoral leadership team that long, okay? But when, since I've been on the pastoral leadership team, every single year we do ministry plan question and answer. There's been less than a dozen people show up since I've been on that leadership team to ask questions. Now, I don't wanna scold you because in one, in one frame set, in one mind frame, that is a great thing because it says you trust us to handle the money. And I think that's wonderful. And we appreciate and love your trust. But I would also say 12 people in a church this big. I mean, less than 12 people. You should be asking questions about where the money is going. And we try and share that, right? And we are prepared to answer the questions. And we want to answer your questions. We want to know you're engaged. And at the same time, I would say to you, not only are we responsible for how we handle our money as an organization, but you are responsible personally because whether you have an external audit or not, God knows where every penny you have goes. He knows. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not reversed, which means look at your money, that's where your heart is. Not where you want your heart to be. And that's different. We have to understand that. We have to look at our finances and go, where is my heart? Where is it? And I, I, I've heard some murmuring lately. Apparently David Hardy got up here several weeks ago and talked about pins. Did y'all hear this? Bring them back. 
Everybody's like, what does that mean where we're at financially? Let me just tell you, it means nothing. You don't have to be in dire financial straits to be responsible with what God has given to you. And let me tell you, we're strict with how we spend our money here. And it's important to us because we know you give it. We give it. And we're called by God to handle it responsibly. Even the pens. We're not in dire financial straits. We're we're at a place where all of our debts have been paid. We're debt-free as a church. Can I just say amen and amen? Because, and yes, clap for that. Because Perry and David are looking at the future and saying when this gets handed over to someone or a group, whatever that looks like 25 years from now, they want it to be in the best possible shape it can be in. And it also means when you give, apart from overhead, it goes to ministry. It doesn't go to a bill. It doesn't go to a debt. It goes to the work of God. And praise God for that. So you give more, we get to do more. And it's wonderful We get to be a part of what God is doing in this community and in the world. And when you contribute, when I contribute, we get to be a part of what God is doing and enjoy the fruit of that work. And it gets me excited. And yeah, David can be cheap. (laughs) But he is responsible. And he is leading us in that endeavor very well. Not only should it be regular, not only should it be responsible, but it should also be responsive. Sometimes God is gonna zero in on us and he's going to say, you, me, JC, give to this need. Now, we're not taking up an extra offering here, so you can just take a breath, okay? We're not trying to emotionally manipulate you into giving. I'm not trying to do any of those things today. But it's in God's word. And you need to wrestle with God about where your finances are. And there may be some people that you're supposed to give to, I'm supposed to give to, but because of how we live, because of the choices that we've made, we can't respond at that time. And that's hard. That's hard to wrestle through. That's hard for me to wrestle through. Who has not been given to because of some of the choices that I have made? I want to challenge you in this area. I want to challenge you because I think that it's important for us to understand the immense opportunity that we have to give. Not just financially, but also financially. And let me touch on some things that are personal to me. Some of you need to open up your home to foster care and adoption. Why? Because there are kids in Greenville County that don't have homes. They don't have families. It's too hard. Welcome, like welcome to all of life. The Holy Spirit will equip you, and guess what? You're a part of a family, a family that will help you. We need to love those with no home or family because God has made us a part of his family. Some of you need to open up your hearts a little more to people. Some of us need to open up our wallets a little more to people. 
Some of us need to take these gifts that God has given to us and share them with other people. So whether it's your particular spiritual gift, your perspective and story, whether it's your passion, your perspective, your personal attitude, or if it is your personal finances, we are required to contribute to the church. So I wanna challenge you this week. If you check out the Engage section, and this as we go thing has been awesome. Uh, and it's not everything. Like we, we know, please hear us as pastors. Like we're kind of excited and it also makes us nervous. Real community happens physically, okay? But you can share your story online and it's an opportunity that people have never had before. So you can share what God is doing in you. You've got another opportunity for that this week. And if you go to small group this week and you're talking about the series, you have an opportunity to talk about giving, which will already make some of you sweat. Uh, but you need to talk about that. We need to talk about that with each other because it's our life. And if we're a disciple of Christ, there is no area of our life that is not untouched by the gospel, including the area of our finances. I want to take a moment. Uh, Care volunteers, y'all can come up here. I want to take a moment and give you an opportunity, give me an opportunity to ask God, God, what is it that you want me to contribute? Maybe you will just hear, well done, faithful servant. Or maybe God will show you something that you need to give. No offering. No guilt or shame. But you're a part of a family. I'm a part of a family. And we are responsible for each other. Let's pray. God, you have adopted us into your family through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and then put your seal on us, put your name on us through the Holy Spirit. You have given us everything. What is it that you want us to give in response to you? God, we open up our lives. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We open up our wallets. Show us what to do. Help us to be the church. Help us to love those around us. And guide us this week as we carry our light that's given to us through the Holy Spirit to the world. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we're able to pray these things. Amen. You can practice your serving by stacking all the chairs this morning on the way out. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.